Hello everyone and thanks for listening to the Sung's Garage podcast. Today we're joined with Formula Drift driver, racer and all-round nice guy Ken Gushi. We discuss what it takes to be a Formula Drift driver, how you can start drifting on a budget and then we asked him the questions you gave us on our social sites. Make sure you find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube under Sung's Garage and leave a positive review on this podcast if you enjoy it. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can listen to the podcast on your favourite podcast supplier like iTunes, Spotify and even Stitcher. Follow Sung at SungKangster and me at AlexDoesCars. Enjoy the show. Excuse us, we're just moving in. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> we're figuring it all out, but welcome to our first show. So we're honoured to have you. you. Um, this hey, is, that's crazy. Yeah, Alex and I have partnered up officially, and he's a co-host for SungsGarage.com, and um, he's just a, a wonderful, you know, kind of uh, perspective and lens to you know, have on the show and the questions he has is so fresh um, and positive. So um, really glad, glad to join foot forces with Mr. Harrington here. I'm, I'm um, very happy. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's my dream right now. I'm living the dream. No, it's great. You know, meeting, meeting so many people, you know, hearing their stories, it's, uh, it's great. And being able to share the stories with, with, you know, I was saying to Ken earlier that we, we put out the question on your Facebook page you know, what, what do people want to ask Ken? And we just had so many people asking really nice, honest, good questions. Yeah. It, it feels great to be able to, to communicate that to them. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Well, I think it's great that you guys have built a foundation and a platform like Sun's Garage to be able to kind of portray and build a channel where we can, you know, connect people like Sung and myself with everyone else and, have that sort of communication and get whatever they want to know out there. It's, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But the first question I have is, who um, gives you hairstyle tips? And where is this <laughs> <laughs> hairstyle inspired? Is this a manga inspiration or is it no, just... no, no? So, funny enough. Uh, I have naturally curly hair, like super natural. I was born with it, and as a kid growing up, I hated the curly hair, so I would always put hair products in my hair to sort of tame it down or, you know, cut it short so it doesn't go, like, fluff all over the place. And it wasn't until last year where I realized, okay, like, curly hair is actually kind of cool. Like, I'm just going to let it grow out. And, and then I used, you know, the whole COVID-19 lockdown as an excuse to not cut my hair and just to see what it would do and uh now i just stopped completely using any sort of hair products and let my natural curl go so trying to make my mom proud of what she's created <laughs> so it's kind of called a j fro a japanese it is fro yeah a j fro i like it it's pretty cool man i like it dude it's, it's nice it's, yeah it's very fitting yeah yeah i tried that cool. and then uh so I just let my hair grow out. You know, I'm not seeing anyone. I'm I'm going to be inside doing work on the computer, and uh, and then it turns out that you know my fiance's ordered some clippers in, and I get a box, and it's just some clippers. I'm like, that's a hint, isn't it? <laughs> that's a hint and a half. <laughs> so it, it just seems like I'm the only one that likes my hair, and everyone else is like, what are you doing to yourself? <laughs> hey, I'm I gonna like do it. me. I like. How is it? How is it with a helmet? Have you tried it? 
Yeah, if I take off my helmet, it looks just like this. So that's one good thing about this hair is it doesn't change. It's super consistent. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, that's cool, so man. To everyone, to, to, to all, our, all of the listeners who haven't been following your career, how would you, like someone who doesn't, who, who's never heard of Formula Drift, because I know you're not just a drifter, you do like all sorts of motorsport. How would you describe your career to someone who doesn't know you, to someone who's, who's completely new to drifting? Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, simply put, I'm a professional driver in the Formula Drift Championships in the USA. Uh, I grew up loving motorsports, rally. In fact, before I started competing in drifting, my father and I would do rally races. In fact, he was a avid motorsports fanatic as well, uh, specifically with rally racing. So when I was about 10, 11, 12, we would go to these rally races, local rally races in California, uh, because that's where I grew up. I grew up locally in Los Angeles, but he would take me with him to these races and I would be in the passenger seat reading stage notes to him. So did that for a couple of years before I took over the, the steering wheel and then uh, he was my co-driver. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of stories I can go into, but without making it too long, uh, that's where I started my motorsports career was rally racing and then I figured that's kind of too expensive. Drifting looks cooler, let's try drifting. <laughs> and 20 years later, I'm driving for you know a huge manufacturer, Toyota Racing, and uh, Still doing it, still loving what I do, and trying to just inspire, you know, up and coming drivers to, to pursue what they want to pursue. Just follow their dreams and have fun. I guess the, the best advice I can give someone is to have fun, because mm. I'm still having fun. So, so for for someone who wants to get into drifting, someone who's maybe, you know, you hear a lot of drifters grow up, you know, drifting and and you know perfecting their skill in in. in private private car parks you know, we'll, we'll skip over that bit, but private car parks and you know you what would you recommend to someone who wants to get into drifting maybe let's say like early 20s maybe even younger what would what would like the the three magic objectives be for them to get into formula drift so drifting is something that you can easily fall in love with you know you can easily get hooked on it attached to it and it becomes very uh, addicting um, it's also something that can easily bring so much frustration, stress. Um, you know, if you get lost, you don't really know how to progress as a driver. But the best advice I can give someone is to, you know, find this, find similar people that are that are just as passionate as you are about drifting. Um, because those people who are passionate, I mean, I mean, they can only offer you the best advice. You know, just have fun, buy a cheap rear-wheel drive car, uh, go to your local drifting events because now pretty much across the nation, across the globe, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, there's drifting events everywhere, all over private car parks, um, circuits, tracks. Back when I started, we didn't have any of that. So like you said, we had to find these abandoned parking lots away, far away from the city uh, and you know, try to practice doing donuts or whatnot. But mm-hmm. times have changed. There's more available resources everywhere. I mean, you have people to talk to. You have social media where you can pretty much reach out to someone like me or, you know, the Forsberg of Formula Drift and DM them asking them, like, hey, you know, I, I love what you guys do. How do I get there? And and we're, for the most part, always willing to help mm. kids like that, people like that out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i joined you in the IS club. So I bought myself an IS 200 and I was like, yes. you know what, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was like, I'm going to weld the diff. It's only a two-meter yep. straight six, but it'll do to learn. And it's only cheap. And I went onto a Facebook page. I can't remember what it was, but it was, a, it was a drifting Facebook group, actually, Facebook group. And I asked a question, and Chelsea DeNova answered the question. 
And it's, it just goes yes, to show will. that you guys are so... It's, it's actually, it's like a modern way of doing motorsport and a, mo- a modern way of doing business that you can go into a Facebook group and you can ask a question and the pros are there to help you out. And it just completely blew my mind. And then you see, you know, these, all of you are active in these communities and it's so, it's, it's amazing. And I think, yeah, someone learning, just go and ask questions because you guys are there. It's, it seems that, you know, you guys are just hanging around with us, with all of us common folk. <laughs> We just love drifting that much. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if, if one were to start drifting on a budget, what car would you recommend? So if you were to ask me the same question, say, 10, 15 years ago, I would easily say, oh, just go pick up a cheap Nissan 240SX or a Mazda RX-7, a Toyota you know, Corolla A86. Those days are long gone. Oh, Those yeah. cars are pretty much you know, doubled, tripled in price. A 1986 Corolla nowadays, that's clean impossible to find and if you do easily north of twenty thousand dollars u.s back when i started those cars were free 500 bucks for a clean one yeah. 240s yeah. were 500 bucks yeah. um but you know it's there's been a shift so a lot of different types of rear-wheel drive cars have taken place uh ford mustangs nissan 350z's bmw e36 e46 you know 328 325s there's a lot of cars that are still available where you can find for relatively cheap uh, Miatas, for example. Um, but yeah, I think uh, those cars are typically what you want to search for nowadays if you want to get into drifting for cheap. Um, because when you're learning, you're going to go through mistakes. And you want to learn from your mistakes too. You want to you know, push yourself to get close to clipping points and, and the edge of the track. And you, you're going to break stuff. That, that's a given. If you're not breaking stuff, you're not pushing hard enough. So buy something cheap, affordable. And well, let's get to specifics. Get to specifics. That's too general. Like if I was in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to be like Ken, but I have two thousand dollars in the bank. What do I get to be like uh, you? safely, so I can get home? Right? Yeah. I mean, if you can pick up a BMW E36 for less than fifteen hundred, just weld your diff for another, say, two hundred bucks at your local welder shop. Uh, buy cheap tires, and there you go. That's a perfect beginning setup. Beginning setup. Nice. Yeah, rear wheel drive, but they weld a diff, cheap tires. Look for an empty, very far away abandoned parking lot. Mm. And go for it. What and then was... call me. <laughs> what was call your first Blame you. Blame you. What was your first? Actually, no, let's go through your car history. What was your very first car? Ooh. I mean, the very first car that I personally owned that I can call mine was a 1992 240SX. It was Champagne Coupe. I did the first SR20 swap when I was 13 in my dad's garage, and I can't even count how many cars I've been in since then, but that was my very first Gucci car, Ken Gucci car. Wait, you did an engine swap at the age of 13? I mean, of course, my dad helped me out, but yeah, I, I told him <laughs> this, this car needs more power. Dad, help me. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Well, what was your dad's history, Ken? A lot of people talk about your dad. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and you always kind of allude to, you know, what he taught you. But, you know, I, I want to hear what his story is, like his origin and what he left behind, you know. Yeah. Gave to so you. Uh, he and my mother, they had me when they were 19. So they were very young parents. 
Um, but at the same time, he was always going to the local track in Okinawa, Japan. That's where I'm from, Okinawa. I was born there. Um, but we moved here when I was two years old. Prior to moving here, he was, you know, part of the local Okinawan uh, Gymkhana club. So so they would do autocross events. And there's not much to do in Okinawa because it's a very, very tiny country or tiny island on the very southernmost part of Japan. So the best they had at the time was a huge lot. They would set up cones and do Gymkhana events. So that's where he started was doing... What's Gymkhana for people who don't know what that is? What's Gymkhana? So Gymkhana is a... It's a, it's a motorsport event where they lay out cones. Uh, so there's no uh, there's no physical permanent track mark. They set up a track based on where they lay cones. And the, it's basically a time attack event. So the fastest car to clear that obstacle course is obviously the fastest driver. And that's a Gymkhana event uh, or autocross event. Autocross, very similar. Okay, cool. Nice, nice. nice. So, and then so- from there, when... Uh, Part of the biggest reasons why we moved to the United States in the first place was because he wanted to pursue a career in racing, motorsports, uh, specifically rally racing, and uh, the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. So he was a huge fan of the Pikes Peak Hill Climb race in Colorado Springs, uh, and uh, he just wanted to follow that dream. So he moved his entire family here just to follow that, which I think was pretty absurd and crazy. But now that I look back, I'm glad he did that because... If it wasn't for that, obviously, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, so that's my dad. He's the one that said, I'm going to bring my family to America. I'm going to follow my dream. I'm going to go racing. I'm going to go up the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. And uh, that, that was it. So that's my dad. So he taught you how to drift, too, then. Huh? He taught you everything, in, like the fundamentals of driving and racing. So you were in, you were in the driver's seat with him, Um riding shotgun since you were a baby pretty much yeah um so he had a repair shop too and he worked at multiple re- repair shops before owning his opening his own uh, gushi auto repair but i would just follow him around i mean i was sort of like you know just holding on to his pants just following him around the shop watching what he was doing like fixing the cars even at home he would fix his old Datsun b 110 sunny in the garage and i would be in my you know the, the kids one-piece mechanic suit, pretending like I was helping him wrench. So, yeah, I grew up with that. I grew up just following him, watching him. And then when he would go racing, I would I would be there. And uh, I picked up everything he did, uh, the, the wrenching, the building cars, the driving. And you're right, he did teach me uh, the fundamentals and a foundation to build up on that. Nice. If you were to pass off one thing that your father taught you aside from the racing stuff and the mechanicals, what would that be? What would you share with like all the younger men out there and women that your pops gave to you? Yeah, so he didn't necessarily voice this, but what he taught me was to just put 100% into everything I do or choose to do. And I think um, I've tried to follow that mentality. Is Everything I do... I, I try to do it at 100, um, and that's one thing I would definitely want to pass on to, not just my kids, but everyone that's asking for advice into how they can become a professional drifter. Not, not necessarily uh, how do I start drifting, but those who ask, like, how do I become a professional drifter and compete professionally, you know, trying to make a living out of it. Just yeah. tell them, mm-hmm. give it 100. 
Hundred percent. Yep. No like half it. ass about it. Yep. Yeah. Go all yep. in. So I mean, you you really followed in your dad's footsteps, like you, because you did the Pikes Peak yourself, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So there's a crazy story behind the Pikes Peak uh, hill climb too. The first time my dad, my father, and I did the hill climb, it was back in 2007. He had specifically built a car just to climb up the mountain, and uh, but then he said, "Hey, Ken, why don't you do it for the first time?" So instead of him driving, he let me take the wheel on our very first high speed adventure. Wow. Um, unfortunately, two miles. So the, the race itself is a week long. Right? We have a couple days of setup, practice throughout the week. And then the main race day is on that Sunday. Um, so we, went, we got through the whole week. We made some good time, got through practice. And then comes the main race day. We get the, the green flag to start the race. I'm going up and two miles in. Till this day, I don't know exactly what happened. I blame my dad for this. <laughs> I think he misread a stage note. He's telling me he was screaming out, slow, slow, slow. So we ended up flying off the mountain. Uh, and then uh, I totaled his brand new race car. Uh, and so the first year, we didn't even finish the race. It was wow. DNF. Yeah. Yeah. The very next year, he said, no, that's not going to stop me. So he ended up fixing that car. Uh, and then uh, went up for it on his own and ended up taking third place in open class, which was crazy. It was mind-blowing. That was his first time racing up the mountain, and he took third place in a field of very talented, experienced drivers. So, Damn. wow. So talented. Still does that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. What year was that? That was 2008 mm. when he went up again and uh, took that podium. And then in 2011, I went back up uh, as a hired driver from Lexus Racing uh, in their ISF CCSR. Uh, failed to take first place in our class by, it was, like, it was very marginal. Went back up the following year in 2012 and ended up winning the class, an exhibition class with the same car. Um, and then, uh, so that was a great feeling. And then I went back up with my ready performance race team in a drift specific built competition car that was slightly modified just to make it up the hill so it was still drift spec it was a sign frs at the time but it was still drift spec and we said hey let's try to do pike speak with a drift specific competition car uh and then with that car uh, we went through hell of a week blowing an engine missing all of practice didn't even qualify so that set us up to start very last an entire roster. So we had to wait four or five hours before we, we, we even lined up to the start line. And then uh, the whole time we're just crossing our fingers like, oh, please, engine, just make it up the hill. Just make it up the hill. And uh, so we get the green flag. Halfway through the run, I see all these warning lights on my dashboard saying, hey, oil comes to high, water comes to high. And I see smoke coming out of my hood, my bonnet, and uh, I notice the power starting to go down. And I start thinking, what do I do? Like, this is, you know, our first time as the Gretty Performance Race Team going up Pikes Peak. Do I stop here and say, you know, I didn't want to blow the engine, or do I just say, nah, screw it. Let's go all the way to the finish. So, of course, you know, as a driver, I didn't want to stop there. I kept going, and we ended up taking third place in a time attack class, which was also crazy. Um, by the time I crossed the finish line, uh, the engine was toast. Uh, we lost that engine again. 
uh, and I just coasted down with no no engine power. <laughs> uh, but that that was a pretty wild experience. And Sung, you know Kenji and the guys over at Gretty, and they're always one hundred percent to into everything yeah. we do. So that showed uh, tremendously in our results, and uh, couldn't ask for a better finish to finish off that year in Pikes Peak. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, I, I think I'm getting the. I'm getting the idea that you love to destroy these cars. <laughs> you love to completely pelt them. Because, I mean, I watched you in this year's Formula Drift, and you had an unlucky... You started with a slipped disc, right? Uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't a slipped disc, um, but it was a very, very uh, heavily strained back injury. Uh, I don't know how it happened anyway. I probably slept wrong or... Or something, but uh, yeah, I had a very, very painful first two rounds of Formula Drift. Two rounds? I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's just, I mean, the G-forces, that must have hurt. Well, funny enough, as I was driving, I would forget about it because there's so much adrenaline going and, you know, you're just constantly trying to attack the guy in front of you. But as soon as the run's done, go back to the pit, I just couldn't move. So my teammates had to literally drag me out of the caged race car and just bucket seats, helmet, Hans device and everything. So, oh, man. yeah, that was, uh, wow. how, how do you stay in shape? Like, how do you, what, if you were to give advice to aspiring drivers, what, you know, what is your like, you know, workout regiment or you know, routine to stay healthy during the season? Yeah. I think as a race car driver, the most important thing is to keep your mental strength healthy or your mental aspect of, you know, just performance healthy. So in that sense, I try to get on the simulator quite a bit. That way it keeps me mentally prepared for the next time I'm on, a, I'm on an actual race car competing. Mm-hmm. The good thing about a simulator is that there's a reset button. And you can try different techniques. Um, because simulators nowadays are, have come so far advanced that they're super realistic. And I use a virtual reality or VR goggles to... Mm-hmm kind of immerse myself in that atmosphere so every everywhere i look you know it's uh, relative to where my eyes would actually be looking on the racetrack um so then i'll try different things on a simulator like okay if i just like stay on throttle just a tad bit longer on this corner what happens okay just as expected i went into the wall you can't try that in real life otherwise you'd be going through you know bumpers like no other so that way it keeps me mentally prepared like just calm i guess the best way, the best way to describe it is, it helps me stay calm when I'm in a real car, because I've gone through the simulation hundreds and thousands of times. Mm. So that's the mental aspect. Physically, I enjoy running. I mean, I've done five uh, full marathons already till this day, and uh, I just love running. It, it gives me, obviously, you know, physical movement to keep me in shape, but also at the same time. While you're running long distance, you have all that time to think about your next move, um, whether it be racing or, or lie, um, your career choices or whatnot. So running is my go-to therapy. Right. So, so when, like you just said, you know, when you're racing, you're just, flooded with, you're just completely flooded with adrenaline. And I've heard from other racing drivers that that can last for, you know, a couple of days afterwards. Um, like, does that happen with you? And if so, like, how do you... How do you just calm down? Do you just go run and just like clear your head and just you know get that adrenaline out of your body through running, or is, is there something else you do? Um, 
Well, adrenaline is a good thing, I think. It, it gives you a tremendous boost in confidence. Like, you feel like you can do anything. You can feel like you just stick the car right by the wall, and you can just scrape the whole rear bumper against the wall for the entire duration of that corner. And, and so I, I look for that adrenaline rush. I, I look for that, that snap in my head where I'm like, okay, now I can do it. Like, for the most part, you know, you're, you're trying something new. You're on the racetrack, and, and you want to push it, but you don't want to push it too hard. But as soon as that adrenaline kicks in, you're like, okay, I know exactly what to do. So I, I, I kind of live off of that adrenaline. Yeah. Of course, I don't think it would be healthy to have that sort of rush, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, but, yeah, you, you sort of look for a, I guess, a switch to turn turn on when hmm. things need to be turned on. Yeah, yeah. So how, how much of the, um, the I guess, how, how much aspects of drifting or even Pikes Peak racing is mental opposed to physical to machine? So those three aspects, like, are... What is the most essential, like, in order for you? Mental. Definitely mental. Men- mental. I would say, I would say as much as 75% mental. Damn. I think it's crucial that you have the right mindset to go into uh, racing. I mean, racing is dangerous, right? It's That's yeah. for sure. Like, that's, mm. that's a given. So you have to be prepared, no- prepared knowing you know, what could happen, um, and obviously have that mental strength to push yourself and then the machinery uh, beyond its limits. Uh, and then comes the physical. So physical, I would say, you know, 20, 20%, 22%, 23%. Of course, the rest is going to be the machine and the car. But mental is extremely, extremely huge. And I think if you ask every other athlete, not just in racing, but athletes in general, they they will say mental strength is crucial to their performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's the question, you know. It's like I have that question. I've tried running. I've tried meditation. You know, as, as I get older, I feel like the tools that I've used to keep my mind focused and positive, right? It gets harder and harder because things like this COVID nineteen situation is. Insane, like how do we stay positive in situations like this? I mean, many of us are blessed, but some folks are not as blessed. And we can say and give lip service, yeah, be positive. It's all mental, but what tools can we provide? Like what tools can you provide, Ken? Because I'd like to know, because I feel like I'm slipping sometimes, you know, these days. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. If I if I had the answer to that, I think I would be in a better place, of course, within my performance because I personally don't believe that I'm where I should be. I feel like I can get better and better. And, of course, my, my results show that. Like, I can obviously go higher and, and do better. So now what do I need? What, what tools do I need to take me to that next step or four or five steps higher? And like you said, it's Mental is hard because you're always going to doubt yourself too if your your performance isn't there. And every time after I have a bad weekend, I ask myself like, what what went wrong? Like, why did I not push myself? And I guess you start to get depressed. And uh, yeah, as an athlete, I think that's one of the bigger challenges as to how to overcome that negativity and that negative energy. 
So um, depressed, depressed I, I in what, what sense that like you like down on yourself or feeling insecure? Because I, I, I can speak on that. You know, every time I mm-hmm. go out for a job as an actor, like, you know, 99% of auditions and interviews I went out for, I did not get. And so how do you go home and recover, right? Like, how do you not feel less than, right? Because right, 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 right. Failure after failure, because you're going to lose more than you're going to win, Ken. That's the reality Absolutely. of being an yep. athlete, right? So, you know, I think, you know, like, these talks are great, but I really, you know, it's, I want to offer these tools, man. You know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking for tools. Like, listening to you, I go, yeah, I should go revisit running, because it was, something that helped me refocus and you know it was right. mind body you know it was like a you know a reset every day you know and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's something that i'm taking from this conversation but you know other than that you know like what can you offer like what tools do you use man what's your secret what's right, the gucci right, right. secret i think the key word you said <laughs> was reset and uh i try to find a way to reset my mindset and then learn and pick up from what I did or what I didn't do from the weekend and then apply that to obviously my next race. So I feel like as, as long as I continue to look for, you know, those mistakes and to how to avoid it and to progress, uh, slowly and surely I think I will become a better driver, a better performer, better mentally. Um, but the moment I feel like, ah, whatever, you know, I lost, so what? The moment I feel that sense of mentality is when I should reconsider my my train of thought, my my mentality, my mental state, um, and maybe perhaps even my career choice. You know? mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between not giving a beep and yeah. and being relaxed, right? Like you know, it's uh, right. a big difference. Like because you know, and that's a question that you know I've been I've I've been asked lately is. Because of the whole lockdown, there's a lot of street racing, a lot of illegal street racing, yep, a yep. lot of accidents and people getting hurt, and a lot of people passing away because of this stuff. And, you know, this is something I'd like you to speak on is, you know, somebody that does this for a living. When these kids go, I don't give a crap. I'm, gonna, I'm out there to, like, you know, kick some ass and you know, take names. I mean, what what is your what is your take on this? Like, you know, like you, yeah. I'm sure you're guilty of it. Like, look, we can't. It's hard for us to speak on it because it's like, yeah, I was asked to do like a PSA on this whole like you know you know illegal street racing thing, and I go, coming from me, that makes no sense. Like, I'm going, yeah, hey guys, don't don't go fast, and I'm, but I'm going to be in the movie going crazy, and even coming <laughs> from you, it's hard. But it is, it is. But I feel like. You know, I've been giving, given the opportunity to be the messenger into telling people who want to, you know, say like, oh, I don't have money to go to the track. Well, I'm like, well, you know, there's affordable ways to do things the right way. And, of course, if you want to get better as a driver, there's no better place to push the limits than a safe racetrack to do so. You know, where there's no mountains to fall off of. There's no you know, innocent bystanders to run over, you know, especially watching these um what do they call them, the street takeovers, where they completely block an intersection. They do donuts. So last year, I got stuck in one of those. I was just driving to the supermarket from my house and literally a block sure away. Sure you did. You got stuck in one of those. You did not give us it. did not give us it. 
I mean, if I was in my IS300, maybe I would have uh, I was in my Highlander, and then they block off the street. I'm like, what is going on? There's people just rushing the intersection, and this was planned. It had to have been planned because there's hundreds of kids just rushing from all four corners. And then next thing I know, I hear tire screeching, smoke going up, and I look out my window, and there's all these, like, you know, kids hanging out of the windows doing donuts. I'm like, oh, my God, this is absurd. And then you see the same types of crowds on social media, like running each other over, like smacking them. There's bodies flying in the air. There's cars getting dented and there's innocent people just getting run over and, you know, killed. So, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Irwindale Speedway, actually, which is a local track of mine, tried to do this thing where they would let, you know, people come into their parking lot and do something similar. Like if they want to do like a takeover style, just like let it loose, you know, burn some tire, do some donuts. They provided a safe place to do so. Um, that didn't last too long. I mean, I don't know why it didn't, but people just didn't want to do that. I don't, I don't think they wanted to necessarily practice how to do donuts. They just wanted to cause a ruckus. Yeah. yeah so yeah. when you when someone like you sees dudes do that, do you go, "Oh, that's cool. That's like that's dope stuff." Because look, it's a, it obviously it's entertaining and that's why people are doing it. That's why it's on YouTube and social media. But, you know, it's easy to say stop it because it's killing people. But I think you got to really speak on it. Like I look at it and I go, yeah, man, I want to do that stuff. You know, and I, I guess when I was younger, you know, I would partake and be kind of stupid. But then I look at them now and I go, there's nothing cool about it, man. Like there's, I almost right. look at it and go, well, what do you, it's, it's like littering. It's like people yeah. throwing garbage on the ground and going, why are you doing that? That's the way right. I look at it. And it's not cool. It's not even cool anymore because we've seen it so much. Right. 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 No and I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of numb to that too, right? Because I've grown up drifting and sliding cars around. So just seeing people doing donuts is kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. Not just that, but they wrecked my neighborhood. My my, there's just, yeah. the intersection is just completely wrecked. Yeah, yeah. So that's like oh, like, like what happened to my neighborhood? Um, but no, like I I really like I just wish I can find a way to just show them like, hey man, there's cooler things to do on the track than to just yeah. overtake the intersection and do donuts and waste your tires because tires aren't cheap. Let's be honest. So if I can show them like, hey look, this is how to do a proper drift. Let me show you how to do like a spin turn, J turn, one eighty, you know a reverse 180 or whatever it could be, then I think they might be like, oh my God, this is way more fun than just doing a street takeover. And who knows, you might build a pro drifter out of one of those kids. Like, you never know. Mm. But, you know, if we can give them an opportunity to, you know, just be better people and better humans and have more fun, you know, doing the same things, but on a higher level and a more safe spot, then why not? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's why that's why drifting has become so popular. It's like it's I think it's the fastest growing motorsport at the moment. It's something crazy, but I think because it's not actually racing, it's not who can go fastest. It's who can control the car, and who's got the balls to control the car. I think a lot of people, you know, when they street race and when they do things like that, they're they're partly showing off. They want that adrenaline rush. I think I think drifting gives them that, and I think that's why. That's why drifting becomes so popular because it's so, you know, I think the, oh, what's it called? You know, the line to get into that is quite low. You know, like you said, you can go to uh, your local 
you know, near me, there's, there's like bring what you drift and it's a completely safe way to do it in a controlled environment. And it's really cheap to do, you know, obviously you've got to buy the car and the tires, but it's really cheap to do. And, um, the fact that drifting, it gives you that kind of stuntman idea, yeah. you know, that's kind of stuntman feeling. I think, you know, what do you think? Do you, do you think people should, should get into drifting or do you think they should focus on something like rally or, you know, specific racing first? If they wanted to get into, into motorsport, let's say, what do you think is that kind of, you know, what angle should they go in first to learn the craft? Well, I think there's, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? I, I love drifting. I'm absolutely passionate about it. I still feel the same adrenaline today behind a steering wheel than when I did when I first started drifting, it's just so much fun. Like I can never get away from it. It's just so much fun. I love it. I love it so much. So I can't, I'm, I'm going to obviously tell you, Hey, let's just go drifting. You know? <laughs> like you don't want to go race. Let's just go drifting. Cause it's just so much fun. And not just that, but the community behind drifting, is so cool too. We're always, you know, looking out for each other, helping each other out. If they need a part, we'll help them out. If they, if they're working on the car, you want to work on their car too because you want them to go drifting. It's <laughs> yeah. like that's just how it is. Like right now, here at my shop, like my one of my co co owners or co buddies, he's building a GS three hundred, and I think I've worked worked on that car more than he has <laughs> because I want him to hurry up and finish the car so we can all go drifting. So yeah. it's just yeah, it's just so much fun, you know. And if you can build that same passion, starting into it. And, you know, for those who ask, like, okay, how do I get into drifting? I say, easy, look for someone like me. Look for someone that's super passionate about it because they ha- they can offer a lot. They can offer all the knowledge. They can offer, obviously, the help because I just want to finish the car for them <laughs> so they can go with us. Yeah. So talking about cars. A rare breed. You're a rare breed, Ken. You know, yeah. very few people are willing to yeah. share that knowledge. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, you're right. I think you're I'm right. just... I'm just crazy about drifting. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so talking of cars, what have you got going on at the moment? You've got the the Supra, the GR Supra, which is completely new to you this year. How yeah. is that? How is it? How does it feel to be behind Woo! a new car for yeah. one, but a Supra as well? Yeah. So, um, the the Toyota Gazoo Racing GR Supra that I came campaigned this year in 2020 was obviously built at Gritty Performance, uh, which is in Irvine, California, and Gritty is has been my my team, my go-to team, my main team for the past eight, nine years now. Uh, we started in 2012 uh, with the, at the time it was called the Scion FRS. The Scion branding is no more, but today it's called the Toyota 86. So we campaigned that for eight years and moving on to 2020, uh, in December of 2019, Toyota said, hey, we want you to, you know, take hold of the new GR Supra and build it and campaign it for the next following season. So, um, it was actually my very first time taking on a huge project to build the car from scratch, from zero, from the ground. Um, and honestly, it was a lot of fun. I think I have just as much fun building a car now as I do driving and competing in the car. Because now I understand, wow, okay, so my team went through hell to build me a car that was mega competitive. And to go through that same motion and build a car to make it competitive. I just started to like appreciate that a lot more, like the, the yeah. craft of building that car. So yeah. it was a really, really good experience, I think, personally, for me to be there every day, you know, stitch welding the chassis, removing all the unnecessary components, 
building the engine, you know, and, and then working with my partners like Blue Moon, BC, Achilles, Winmax, and all the brands like Rays, to see that relationship build and to see that they're not just like dumping parts, they're actually investing, you know, part of them into our program. So as a team owner, it made me realize and appreciate that much more how much goes into, you know, building a car and having a prepared car go into Formula Drift competition. Yeah, yeah. So you're very much but That like was a, huge. Yeah, so you're very much like, because, you know, you get some managers who will just, they'll kind of go straight into management and they'll look over everything with a kind of watch over, but you're the kind of person who will learn each and every stage, I take it. You sound like the kind of person who, you don't want to just do the racing, you want to get involved in everything. And learn, yeah. learn as you go. Yeah, and then Sung, last time we, we talked, you said you were a forever student. I think I completely agree. I am forever a student too. And, uh, you know, there's always something to learn, always. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, one thing that I learned this year was just how much goes into a Formula Drift team and sure. all that effort. Yeah. So, so that's one thing that's going on. Um, and then amidst the whole COVID lockdown situation, uh, myself and two other buddies of mine decided to open up a shop and Temple City, California. So this is actually where I store my race car, my tools, my machinery. Um, and so I kind of took advantage of that and used the space to also build, you know, one of my toys, like IS300. We wrapped that. We did a couple work. We did a huge, couple huge projects and modifications to that car. And then now we're building a GS300. So a lot of it, you know, revolves around Toyota products, Lexus, Toyota. But, uh, it's been pretty fun. I mean, I mean, trying to have the space finally to do what I want freely um, has been a huge addition to my uh, to my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. nice, Sung. What was it like being behind, well, in the passenger seat with Ken going oh, for it? Ken. This was my second time um, in a drift car, um, and the first time was with Ken like five, six years ago. Seattle. At the same place. Oh, it was, yeah. was it Irwindale? Yeah, yeah it was in Seattle. Irwindale. Yeah. No, it was in Irwindale. No, you I were there, Irwindale. Irwindale. You, yeah. But I but didn't go you... I, I left really quick. And then in Seattle, I, I did the ride along with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the first time was with Ken in Seattle, and the, and the second time was with Ken. And yeah, you know, I, I kind of, I mean, this is, this is a compliment to his driving. He's so smooth. That I feel so safe. I, I I start feeling sleepy. Actually, I start nodding <laughs> off. Like, like when I when I take excited? off in an airplane is when I fall asleep. I always fall asleep. Right. Oh, it's my favorite moment when when Ken's drifting. It's like that that the, the G force, the inertia, just it kind of rocks me to sleep. And I was recording it. I was recording it, but somehow I lost the video. And then, but. It's always relaxing. I, I don't feel scared in, you know, uh, Ken's hand. So, uh, That's so yeah, he's a pro. He's a, he's a veteran. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it was really fun. Yeah. yeah.
Not bad. That was awesome. <laughs> I thought I was going to eat it. <laughs> I was so out of tire on that one. I yeah. swear to God, I thought I was going to hit the wall. <laughs> that was so cool. So, and you can cool. tell like, it was like kind of getting sleepy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sung doesn't know this. But I really want Sung to get back, like, properly into drifting. Like, I want him to build a drift car. What five steps, or what's the, yeah, I know. <laughs> what steps? Can you you're imagine the fans' me, faces? <laughs> you're telling me Sung doesn't know how to drift? I don't know. Do no. you know? I don't know how to drift. This, this is I'm a viral video man. waiting to happen. <laughs> Han knows how to drift. Sung Kang does not know how to drift. <laughs> I will never take claim that I know how to drift. First, first and foremost is that I will never take that claim because um, there's so many of you guys out there that work on these movies, professional drifters, that come and risk their lives, um, and they, they deserve all the credit. I mean, we have pros. The beauty of Hollywood is they have money and they can pay for the best, so you got to bring the best drivers to get those you know awesome stunts on screen. So no, I don't. I don't know how to drift because first of all, <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta come home, man. I got responsibilities, yeah. you know. And yeah. my wife is not about to let me go to some <laughs> drift event and go crazy and become Han in real life. So, but I do respect it, you know. I, I, I would like to actually, you know, really focus on autocross right now and some track racing just to get, you know, more gentleman driving, just to get the fundamentals and the whole community and i don't know i don't think I, 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 all the fans want me to grow out my hair and get in a drift fd drift car and you know <laughs> yeah. and drift around some girls you never know <laughs> ken might ken might yeah, ken might ken might be able to do it you never know right so, <laughs> so if we, we should actually honestly we should set up a day where we go to the track together and then i can teach you some of the basics and the reason why i say that is because I think knowing the basics and the fundamentals fundamentals of car control will definitely, definitely, one hundred percent help you on the track. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, recovery I'm all time. about learning. I would, I'd yeah. be honored if you could. I, I, you know, if I could have a proper teacher, I'd start with the fundamentals. And you, you have know. my number. I mean, you can call me anytime. Awesome. I need to be in the back seat for this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like you got to make it over the pond and uh, join I know. us. <laughs> I bring the IS and. No. You know, if it hasn't rusted out by that point, it'll be great. <laughs> so, I mean, three. Let's let's say let's say Sung has. We've got uh, a private car park. No walls. No walls whatsoever. We've got cones. What are the three things you're going to be teaching him? The most important thing is where you're looking, right? So your focal point. So as we start doing donuts, which is obviously the basic first step, I'm going to tell him, "Hey, Sung." There's a cone in the middle. We're going to do donuts around it. Keep your eye on the cone. That way he can stay consistently in that same radius and practice to and actually feel the car relative to what he's looking at. And I'll tell him, okay, now look away from the cone. And as he, as he does that, he'll notice you know, some changes within the, the characteristics of what's happening and whatnot. So basic fundamentals is keep your eyes where you want to go. Mm. Right? So focal point is really important. Some of the things I teach when I teach is look where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. Um, and then we can move on to figure eight. So the same basic concept of doing donuts, except now at this time, you're shifting your focal point to another point on the track 
and that can be you know a couple car lanes ahead and we'll try to do that in the same thing but in the other direction so that's a figure eight and then we can I, move on I, to hey alex i like how he just went to like an advanced like stage eight he's like oh so we're gonna start about, how about where does he go in the car <laughs> <laughs> the manual transmission <laughs> seat belt, man? Yeah, hey, how do you get this helmet i can't see nothing this opens up sitting next to my friend and going, hey man, I can't see. I can't see through this helmet. This this helmet is no good. I think I have to give it back. Sparko was nice enough to give me this helmet. But I was like, yo, I can't I can't see anything. I had it on. And he my friend goes, You're such a moron, dude. I go, why? He goes, you have the sticker on the visor. <laughs> so we need to back up Ken. Back okay. up to right. entering right. the racetrack. Where do I park my car? I'm lost. <laughs> I gotta go pee first. <laughs> you gotta put oh, air in right. these tires. Come on, man. <laughs> He's already. Then we go to the figure eights. That's where we're gonna go. We're gonna go to figure eight. What are you talking about? Back up. You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. I'll take right. for beginner, beginner. <laughs> Car key, yeah. air and tires, sticker yeah. off helmet. Done. <laughs> I'm not even a white belt. I don't even have the uniform. I'm taking the, the free class and I get the uniform for free. That's what I'm that's what I'm coming to do. Like all right? It's like a ten minute Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe that's people that's just well. assume. people assume because I play this guy on the <laughs> I, I can do what Ken does. It doesn't make sense, man. You know what I mean? I'm an I'm an actor. actor. It's all right here. It's all right here. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's let's back up. Okay. Let's, let's go on. to the fundamentals of drifting. What is drifting? Like, if you were to talk to my mother, and she goes, "Muragu, drifting? What do you mean a drifting?" Why you wanna tear the tire? You sh <laughs> spend the money you throw away, you sicky you. Who you think you are? You know how long it takes to buy tire? You sh <laughs> what is drifting? Explain to my mother why you need to drift. I'm my granddad. <laughs> <laughs> why are they going through so many tires? You're right. I mean, we're trying to make these cars do something they were designed to do, right? We're trying to make them do something where normal people wouldn't want to do. So we're trying to make the car go completely pitched sideways, tire screeching, looks like losing control. But who said it? It was, uh, I think Bow Wow said it, right? In the movie, he said, when you're, if you think you're in control or if you're not out of control, you're not in control or something. So we're trying to control a car that's out of control. Why? Because it just feels good. It's just that adrenaline rush you get while you're trying to you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, and that that's relatable to out, something outside of drifting too. When you when you're doing something your parents tell you not to do, like your your uh, grandma tells you, the old money tells you don't do that, right? And you yeah. do it. You're like, oh, that was kind of cool. Like I just <laughs> I felt like a rebel. That's what drifting is. It's something that's rebellious to some to other forms of motorsports. It's not traditional. It's not 
it wasn't made to be done, but we're here, here we are doing it anyways, because it just feels so cool. I think that's all it is. Like while we're going sideways right next to a wall and then we scrape the wall, we're like, oh my God, that was so cool because mm. it's just not normal. Yeah. It's, is, it, is it better than sex? <laughs> I've been doing this for me. I'm a, I'm a virgin. <laughs> is, it, is it better than the morning poo that you have that releases all? Right? Is Welcome it, to the Sex Garage podcast, everybody. <laughs> I guess it, that depends on what you ate the night before. <laughs> I mean, when you say cool, it's so general. What is cool? Like, you know, like some guys get off on catching a fish, right? Like, for yeah, you, right. you're on the drifter, uh, that's. That's your sweet spot. That's where you feel right. Huh? I think because we're always, while we're drifting, we're constantly on that edge, at least the way we drift competitively. We're, we're on that edge of, you know, making it and making it look super badass or completely annihilating the car, wrecking that car. And that line is so, so thin. And we're riding that fine line of a badass run or a complete annihilation of your brand new GR Supra. And I think... <laughs> Pulling off that clean run is the highest of the high adrenaline rush. Like, oh my god, that like that made me suck in the sea cushion. Kind of scary. Controlled chaos, pretty much. Yes, yeah. controlled mm-hmm. chaos. Yeah. You know, I I I go into the drift events. The, the blessing with COVID was that there wasn't so many people. It wasn't crowded, so I you know I could go and basically meet every single driver because it was just the drivers out there and their teams and i loved it man it was like the community really spoke to me you guys are so tight but the thing that the criticism i have of this sport is that you guys you guys don't have any bad guys you guys it needs to be like wwe where there's the good guys like your ken gucci you could be the good guy you know the nice innocent guy and then there needs to be people like the villain, you know, like I could play like black, like death. DK, <laughs> and then could be like black death oil. Like I, I, like I spurt oil, I cheat, like spurt oil in front of you, <laughs> drift you out of control. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and uh, so, so, so there needs to be more drama. You guys are so nice, man. In WWF, that's my suggestion. That's my contribution to the pot. All right, you're absolutely right, and and you're not the first person to say that. Actually, I mean, there's been multiple people that I've spoken to telling me like, "Hey man, like, how come like, who do you hate? Like, who is your least favorite driver? Or like, who yeah. do you not want to go up against?" So I'm like, think I'm I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, who do I hate? I don't really hate anyone. Like, there's no one on track where I would hold any sort of grudge against and and even if like sometimes you know we get cheated out of the run or something and we lose of course we're going to be upset at the moment but then the next time we see each other like hey man what's up dude like how's your how's your son how's your wife but then i go to like these nascar events and these drivers are throwing fists at each other they're like knocking each other out and throwing helmets through the driver's windows Um, is that show is that for optics or is it real you think that's I yeah, think some of it is uh, for show, but yeah, when that's what I'm saying. I think Formula Drift needs to put a little bit more show business, man. I You're think. Right. Okay, let me ask. Let me ask you a 
question, question, Ken. If you were a bad, evil Formula Drift driver character, what would your name be? And, and the same question for you, Alex. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> Ken, the annihilator Gucci, because I would honestly take everyone out in front of me. Oh. <laughs> I didn't get in trouble for it. <laughs> Just, Wiping people out. I'm going to win. Nope, sorry. There goes the wall. Ken, I played Mario Kart. Nice. Nice. All right. That's a good name. What about you, Alex? Hmm. Uh, It'd be, Alex, you can't drive with no engine oil, Harrington. (laughs) That's dirty. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Not not only is it no oil in the engine. But there's oil under them tires. <laughs> oh. I would never do such a thing. No. <laughs> who would who would be the bad guy? <laughs> Obviously, we're being very friendly here. We don't actually mean anything in a horrible way. But who who would you? Okay, who, oh. no, let me rephrase it. Who would you love to be the bad guy? Hmm. That's a good question. I always thought like the quiet, the quietest ones are usually the sneakiest, you know, the, the dirtiest ones. Like they're constantly thinking of ways to just screw other drivers, or the ones that sit in the back of the class are usually the bad ones, right? They're constantly thinking of ways to sabotage so the the weekend project. So there's no homework throughout the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Funny enough. Funny enough. So there's a um, there's one two. This year, there were four Japanese drivers, but uh, there's been years where there's, you know, less drivers or more Japanese drivers. But the funny thing is, and even Jared DeAnda, the, the commentator for Formula D, says it too, he calls the back corner the J corner. And only because all the Japanese drivers, we like, I guess we congregate to the back corner and we all sit in this one corner. For some odd reason, it's been like that since forever. So Daijiro, myself. Um, even, you know, Taguchi, um, Diego and Robbie, when they were here, we would all sit in the back corner, the J corner, and we would just talk amongst ourselves. And then, like, everyone else was just doing their own thing. So you never know. So us Japanese drivers might have something up our sleeves that might sabotage <laughs> the rest of the field. We're not just speaking Japanese for the sake of it. We're plotting up a, uh, plotting up a, a little... Mm. I like it. I like it. So, so quickly swapping the roles. You know, Song said he, he didn't want to. He doesn't want to start drifting. Leave that to the professionals. Have you stepped into the Faguzi yet? Have you driven the Faguzi? Mm-hmm. Um, I have been in it, um, and Sung wasn't driving, unfortunately. But Kenji, who the president of Great Performance, yeah. uh, as the car was finished, he said, "Hey, get in real quick." Like, oh my god. <laughs> Get in. Like, oh, you want to drive? Like, oh no 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 no! Like I'm not driving the car right before it's about to make its maiden voyage debut at SEMA. I'm like oh, no no it's okay. Can you you drive it? And uh, you know if something happens, I'm on my hands are that wasn't me. So then he drives me around the block and and at the time it was a NA built RB26. So just the sound of the when he opened throttle, you know just like open throttle intake, just the pure NA sound was mind-blowing it just get it till this day it gives me chills thinking about what that car sounded like on my on that day the first time i sat in it so 
Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, Song. I mean, when you said when you guys announced that you guys are going turbo, uh, I was a little sad because I just was purely hooked on that NA sound. But I'm sure the Fugu Z Part Two is going to be greater than ever. Yeah, oh, I'm excited for I that. know. We got it, but life is about evolving. You know, mm, absolutely. Me, so. yeah. It was a tough decision because it's easy to keep something the same and say that you know that's the best it can be. But I feel like the great thing about our community and you know the car industry is that it's innovation. There's constant innovation, and what I like from from what I knew about cars when the Paguzzi was first being built to what I know now isn't much, but I felt like it, I could apply it to, you know, the new version of the Fuguzi, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited. It's it's exciting to, like, you know, you never get to do something for the first time again. It's very rare. Like, the, you know, you mm-hmm. built the car, but now we get to make it back to the way it was supposed to be, twin turbo, right? I mean, that was how it was originally designed. And as I get older, I kind of, like, and more romantic to history and legacy, mm. you know, and, and to tradition. And I like the way things were originally designed and to be able to enhance it, but not strip it away. Mm. You know what I mean, mm. and I feel like making it an art, you know, MA was a great exploration and exercise for Kenji's artistry and mastery, right? But it was, I never even drove a L24, Right, yeah, like I, yeah. yeah, I didn't even understand the stock, you know, two forty Z. So, you basically, it's like what you were talking about. It's like because I play Han, Kenji sticks me into a master class where I gotta be in the waiting room, man. I should be in the locker room, <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? And so, yeah. Yeah, and so, I I feel like RB twenty six is a nice like step back or forwards for me. To go to what the original, like, you know, that the GTR RB26 engine was supposed to, designed as. Mm-hmm. And then be a student of that. And then understand why when someone like you talks about the NA, it's so glorious. Because I was kind of born into that. So I don't mm-hmm. know the difference. I, I can't compare why that's so much, it's so glorious compared to the twin turbo. You know, so I have, I have no point of reference. I guess sense? that's the beauty of yeah, that's the beauty of the car community, right? It's like you can learn to appreciate different things. You know, there's turbo, there's you know NA, there's different kinds of engines and sounds, and then you can appreciate the sound aspect or the power aspect, or even just the build and the quality. So I think it's great. Yeah, like you said, the progress is is important and crucial. Mm. Yeah, but a lot and of people. Go ahead. A lot of people were saying, you know, like with the new Supra, it's it's got the BMW underpinnings, and people are like, oh, it's not a two JZ, but you know, BMW, the, their straight sixes are it's like an evolution of the two JZ, and and you know, you get a lot of people who, unfortunately, you know, they they love the Supra, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't look like the old Supra, the new one, but I mean, this these engines are so incredible now, you know, people, I think. I think there's there's like you get these fans and they some people are blocked to innovation but I think what's so good about the car community is that because there's all these Facebook groups and Facebook pages and there's so much of a community especially these days with the internet there's so much education available now that you can learn so much even without driving these cars I mean how how do you feel about the 
What's your what? You know what? What's your engine like? What is the engine in the Supra? Because you've got it's the B fifty eight, right? Yeah, correct. So yeah. just a quick rundown of what our GR Supra is built on. It's like you said, it is the B fifty eight platform, uh, built by my engine builder sponsor, Blue Moon Performance, using Run BC, which is a globally known, you know, engine parts manufacturer out of uh, San Diego, California, and then our head work is done by SuperTech Performance. So we're using the best in the industry. Only because, for one, we don't we didn't know what this engine was capable of. We didn't know where its weaklings were. So we said, "Hey, you guys are the pros. You guys build the parts. I'm just gonna build it together and run it." So, you know, like the two JZ, it's been what 20 years, more than 20 years yeah. since that yeah. engine platform came out, and it took a while for people to start realizing, "Oh my God, that heavy iron block engine makes a ton of power reliably." But it, it took years. But here yeah. we are with this B58 in year one, making a thousand horsepower. Yeah. So it's just crazy to see how you know what it took the 2JZ compared to what it took the B58 to make that similar power figure. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, and that's that's all because of technology. You know, newer resources, newer material, metals, um, and of course how fast data goes across the globe from let's say BMW to yeah, Toyota so. to the engineers to these parts manufacturers like Run BC and SuperTech. So, um, yeah, anyway, going back to my engine spec, it's uh, got 800 horsepower. Um, we're using a Borg Warner EFR turbo, an 8474. Um, fully built engine, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. Rods, pistons, crank by BC. Uh, the head is fully built. Um, but it is complicated. The engine is complicated. I will admit, when I took off the valve cover, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to put the valve cover back on and let you guys yes. work on it. Yeah. Man. Because, I mean, are you, oh. so you're, it's turbocharged, you don't run nitrous? We, oh, we do run nitrous. You do run nitrous. Yes. I was going to say, okay. Yeah, but only on the bottom end to spool up the turbo. Oh. I want to hit 22 pounds of boost or maybe 35, 4,000 RPM. Damn. Uh, okay. It shuts off. So it's just low end, just to pick it up, and then it's all boost from there. Yeah. Damn. And you have sequential transmission on that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah, has so, been the sticking factor for that Supra that it did not come in a manual option. Yeah. Right. So yeah. a lot of the guys or the purists just kind of poop it on the car because it didn't give that option. I mean. Now that you have, now that you swap that over to sequential transmission, do you wish that Supra, or, or, you know, came out, or are they coming out with a manual option Supra soon because of? Um, the, I I wish I could say yes, but I don't know, and I don't I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I but think they they might do on the they might do on the two liter. I'm not sure they will on the more powerful car. Right, it would make sense with the two liter. I mean, yeah. that's probably more of the drivers yeah. engaging. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I would but love it. Do we it. need it? But do you need it? Would you like that? Do you think I would love elimination? it? Yeah, I would love yeah. it absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm I'm a driver's car kind of guy, so I like to have full control of what the car is doing. I like to be able to step on the clutch pedal, slam it into gear, you know, and shift whenever I want, not when the computer wants. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, but there you go, Tony. Come on, guys. Hold on. <laughs> I said, come on, so yes, let's do it. <laughs> Heard it from the horse's mouth. That's a uh, manual Supra right here. I don't mind testing it out for you. <laughs> Absolutely. I will say, though, that the automatic transmission in the Supra is mega high-tech. 
Yeah. The shift speeds are blistering fast. Um, and I got to admit, I mean, if it was a drag race manual versus this automatic, the automatic would smoke the manual transition. Yeah. Easy. And they're just so far advanced, um, and they're just super lightning fast shifting speeds. So for an everyday driver's car, it's a, it's a no-brainer. The automatic will take the win. But for yeah. someone that's different like me, I think... Uh, Please, throw it up. No, I, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I've got two cars. I've got the IS200, which is the, the rusting manual bucket out front, of, out front of the house. But, you know, I've, I've, I've moved over to... I've always had manual cars, but I moved over to an Audi. And I've always, I've always been kind of similar. Like, I, yeah, I don't need an automatic. I'll be fine. I, mean, I can use a clutch. I can drive a manual just fine. Then I got in an, in an auto, and I thought, oh, my God. This is so much easier. Like, you just, you know, it's... It is that thing where you go, you know, I'm going to be macho and I'm going to, you know, prove to the world that you can still buy, that you can still drive a manual. I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I just I just want the car to be nice. <laughs> so I think all this, all this competitiveness between manual, especially with newer cars, where you're right, the automatic is the higher performing car. In these, you know, especially these, in these sports cars, maybe not necessarily the CVT autos and that kind of stuff, but... You know, for performance, which is what these manufacturers are going for, especially with the whole numbers race, and they want the zero to sixty times, but also the economy. You you need to have the automatic, and that you know, I think we've just got to get used to it. Unfortunately, <laughs> but a two liter manual, a two liter manual would be nice. That'd be cool. Um, three liter manual would be even better. I mean, feed, yeah, if they can do it, that would be. Really very nice. <laughs> now, it's interesting though, a lot of people, you know, quite a few people I've seen have complained about the the new Supra because it's an automatic, because they use BMW parts, but then you look back, you know, they compare it to the, to the, to the, um, the old Supra, but then you look back at the old magazines and the reviews that the journalists have written about the old Supra, and they're really bad. You know, they're like, oh, it's too oh, yeah. heavy, it's not fast enough, it doesn't compete with its, with its competitors. But I think just give, like the old Supra, if you, if you give it time, people will just warm, you know, people will warm to it, they'll grow up to it, they'll grow up with it, especially the younger, the younger car enthusiasts out there. I think the car's just got to have room to breathe, you know. <laughs> I think people, people are warm to it, and, you know, a lot of people love it anyway. So. Yeah. But, um, I, saw one drive, I saw one drive by down the road the other day. Man, it looks, it it looks, looks so it's, good. It's a beautiful looking car. You can't, oh, you yeah. can't deny that. Yeah, it is definitely. A hot looking car. Yeah. Definitely. They sound good too. Yeah. Straight yeah. from the dealership. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, we put out some questions, or sorry, we put out a post on uh, Facebook, Sung's Garage, by the way. Hit it up. Um, asking for people to submit their questions to Ken. And we got so many questions. I'm actually going to refresh the page because we're. Got four point one thousand likes. People are loving the Supra. We got ninety six comments, which is huge. Um, so, if you will, I've got some questions. So, Alex Samoski Jr. That's a brilliant name. He asks, uh, "What is your favorite front wheel drive car to daily and to track?" Oh uh, well, first of all, thanks for all your. Uh participating questions that's very generous of you guys to be curious about what I am and who I am but uh, back to the question what is my favorite front-wheel drive 
to daily and to go to the track. Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Huh. Um, I don't really spend much time driving wrong wheel drive. I mean, front wheel drive. <laughs> oh, but, uh, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I will say I haven't spent much time driving a front wheel drive on the track. Uh, not not saying that I don't like them. Or anything. I just never had that opportunity, right? Never had the chance. Um, but with that said, I mean, you know, front wheel drives are a lot of fun. Um, doing some spirited driving in the canyons and whatnot. But uh, I have a bunch of friends, and even the, the president of Gurdy Performance, Kenji, he is a huge Honda guy, specifically old school Honda. So he built a turbocharged uh, EF Honda Civic hatchback um, and put all this like new modern technology into that build. So being around that for so long, especially this past year, while I was building my GR Supra, I, I learned to appreciate what goes on to a lot of Hondas and promo drives. So... Um, I mean, I wouldn't have a specific vehicle that I would choose to daily and take to the track, but if, they, if I could, I would definitely take Kenji's Civic out for a spin, just because I know what went into it, and he spent hours and hours meticulously choosing even what kind of bolts to put into that car. So, I mean, if there's one car that's been done right as a front-wheel drive, it's definitely Kenji's Civic. Nice. Right. Yeah. I drove that car. It's a masterpiece, man. Yeah, masterpiece for sure. Yeah, I mean Hondas, you know, they're known to, they're known to get their front wheel drive set up right from the factory. I can't imagine what it'd be like once Kenji gets his hand on one. <laughs> right. I mean, like you said, you know, Honda knows how to build cars. They they yeah. are a racing team that sells cars. Yeah. A racing company that sells cars. So. Yeah. So, so the next question from Margaret Silver: uh, Do you feel afraid when you're drifting? <clears throat> I do not. I feel more afraid before I get in the car, uh, only because I'm scared that I might not be able to push myself to the limits. I'm never scared of crashing, or at least I don't think about it. Maybe, yeah. maybe if I even gave it a thought, I would be like, oh, that's, that kind of sounds scary. But no, I don't, I don't think about it. And I think as a driver, you shouldn't ever think about being scared to crash. Yeah. Because then you won't be able to push yourself. Yeah. Every time you get behind the wheel, you're going to be like, oh my God, what if I crash? What if I crash? And that's the end of your career. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you've got to give it 100%. And fear right. can pull you back from that. Uh, so, uh, Melissa Ramsey Smalley, uh, she asks, what age did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Huh. Um, uh, also, just, just from me, what, yeah. what, what experience did you have that... Like, what was your first drifting experience? What was it that made you go, you know what, this is it? Yeah, so um, my dad had a 1986 Toyota Corolla, or A86 GTS, and um, on the way home from Mitsuo Market, which is a local Japanese market down the street from our old place, he took, he took this one corner, and it was, it was raining, and he said, hey, hold on real quick. I was like, by the time I realized what he was doing, the car was completely sideways, <laughs> In that, in that corner, I was like, oh, my God, that was so cool. And he's just giggling. Eh, eh. <laughs> I'm like, do it again, do it again. He's like, no, 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 we can't do it. Let's go home. So then he took me to a dry lake bed called El Mirage Dry Lake Bed. It's about an hour and a half north of L.A. County. And it's just this huge, huge, huge open, wide open land in the middle of the California desert. And he's like, hey, man, like, hop in and just drive, do whatever you want. And 
I got on the driver's seat, started doing donuts and, and just driving around the bushes, taking some jumps. <laughs> I, I knew at that moment that I just wanted to drive. I, I didn't necessarily think I wanted to be a professional, yeah. but I knew that I wanted to drive. I just wanted to, I love driving. I love what the car can do. I love how I can make it do certain things. And so I knew how to pretty a relatively early age i'd say eight or nine yeah and would you say you're a natural would you say driving came quite easy to you i feel like it did i mean i don't i don't think i ever struggled to or i, I was never frustrated yeah in the learning process yeah. at least from what i remember but that also comes because i started at a at an early age and, yeah. and this was way before drifting was popular in the states so you know, just a little bit of a spin or a donut or J-turn was like, woohoo, when it was only like a little J-turn. So. Yeah. Ken, that, that, that's like out of a movie. It's a scene out of a movie. If I were to create a scene of how Han learned how to drift, there's a uh-huh. scene with his dad in the AE86 Corolla. <laughs> wow, do it again, Dad. <laughs> Don't tell Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it was. Um, yeah, mm. That's awesome. So we're coming to the end of 2020. What is coming 2021? What have you got on the horizon? Um, well, uh, now that I have a fully built GR Supra, um, you know what I'm hoping for. Number one is for everything to go back to normal and to for obviously yeah. for COVID to go away and everyone to kind of move on with their lives away. So then we can provide an even better show where spectators can freely roam the, the pits and open, you know, cockpit and area, and we can start to socialize again like normal human beings. But uh, until then, we're just going to, you know, make some progress on the Supra, make it more competitive, take some weight out of it, um, make some changes to make it a little bit more competitive. Um, I feel like 2020 was not the ideal year to debut a new car, only because obviously for one, spectators weren't allowed to come into the venue. Yeah. And two, everything was just condensed into condensed into four weekends yeah. eight rounds of competition so um yeah just uh looking forward to a normal civilized life again <laughs> yeah then, uh, yeah i mean on that note i i just want to thank you for for what you and what your team and what the guys at formula drift did you know to put together uh uh, you know, and a, a year of some seriously good drifting in the environment that you you guys have been given. I mean, it, it deserves a round of applause, really. Like it's it's you know it's crazy that you managed yeah, to yeah. give that experience to us viewers through a screen. You know, it's, it's it was amazing, and you know, just a massive thank you to to you and your team and the guys at Formula Drift. Thank you, Formula Drift. Yeah, there, there it is. is. Thank you. Yes, those thank guys you. have definitely put in some work to make sure we had a season this year because when yeah. when the whole you know thing crashed back in March or even February and they were like oh we don't even know if it's going to happen and it was a couple weeks before Long Beach and they're like ooh okay, Long Beach Grand Prix is cancelled and then the Australian Grand Prix was cancelled yeah. when they were already there at Formula 1 so happening everything seeing everything happen right in front of your eyes was pretty wild so from that to actually you know, salvaging everything and having a proper eight-round series was just like, wow, okay, you guys deserve a huge round of applause. Yeah. So, yeah, mad yeah. props to and the whole staff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, 
thank you so much for spending some time with us doing this. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, as, as a, a fan, I've learned so much. I feel so honoured to have talked to you. So thank you so much for that. Um, what you. What do you have things to plug? Because you know we've we've got uh, a fan base and they will they will click. Yeah. Uh, what's your Instagram and Twitter and YouTube? How can people find you? Yeah. Uh, well, if you guys want to follow what I do, uh, my everyday antics, my Instagram handle is at Pengushi. Um, it's just one word. And then uh, my YouTube, although it's not really you know, up to date yet, but we are starting to create a little bit more content, is Pengushi Motorsports. So if you guys want to follow our uh, adventures and kind of see what we do here, go ahead and give us a follow. Um, but but more than anything, I just want to say thank you to you guys, Alex and Son, for giving you know the viewers and even myself a platform to share you know our passion and to be relatable to you know everyone else. Because I think one thing that is great about Formula Drift is that we're easily accessible to our fans and our fan base. Where other forms of motorsports, it's not so easy. But you know, if we have resources like you guys. Um, I think everyone else can be a little bit more connected and they feel like they're closer to us as human beings. So great what you guys do. Huge props to Sun's Garage, to you, Alex and Sun, for uh, building this foundation for everyone to enjoy. Thank, thank you, yeah. Ken. Yeah, thank you very thank much. You. It's, it's been good so far. <laughs> yeah. And it's but, easy to, you know, it, it's easy to support people like you because yeah, you're I beloved in the community, everyone that, meets you loves you and they have the utmost respect for you so you know it's a, it's been an honor to get to know you and get to know you better today and share you know your origin and your passion and you know you don't cease to amaze me because you know you are a wonderful role model so i wish you great success that. next year man yeah just so before we go i I do need to do our self-plugging bit, and I hate doing this because it feels so awful to plug ourselves. But uh, you can find us online at sungsgrudge.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, and Jeez. whatever, whatever, we're on everything. We will be on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and subscribe, subscribe to the Songs Garage YouTube channel. And yeah, it's such a massive thank you to Ken for, for hanging out today. It's thank been, you guys. It's been so much fun. Appreciate it. Thank we you. shall see you soon.